This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hi, everyone. It's Alice Cash, your host of Weekly Woman, and we have an amazing lineup today on the podcast. First, we'll be talking about self-love in the time of COVID, and then I'm interviewing Sydney Brown, who you get to hear about this amazing lady who's doing a lot to help others during this time. So stick around. First, we have to give it up for our sponsor, Jubilance for PMS, the only supplement on the market to help relieve your emotional PMS symptoms. This supplement is produced by a woman-run company and is the only clinically tried supplement on the market for the emotional side of PMS. Just think if you could stop all the stressing and those anxieties that accompany PMS. It's totally possible with a supplement you take once a day. Learn more if Jubilance is right for you at jubilance.com. We are approaching one year into a pandemic, and although there might be some hope for a possible end in sight and for more vaccinations rolling out, it's looking like we are closing out a year of firsts with our first March in time of COVID-19, like March 1st. You might be readjusting your expectations for another celebration. Um, Everything looks a little less involved this year, might lead to some feelings of loneliness, sadness, or whatever else is coming up for you in this time where we're saying it's almost a year. And if you're feeling that frustration that might come with needing to pivot celebrations once again, here are some ways to show yourself some self-love during this time. Reach out to someone. As I've mentioned before, we're all relational humans. It's totally okay to enjoy spending alone time. However, if you're feeling down and sad that you aren't able to be with your people, try to set up a time to connect with them. There's no need to call everyone on your list that you've been meaning to call. Just try one. Having that video chat, text conversation, phone call, or long distance visit, like from your computer, can be so beneficial for helping you feel less alone. Taking the step to reach out to someone can feel pretty overwhelming sometimes, so aim to contact a person with whom it might be easier to initiate the conversation. This might be a best friend, romantic partner, sibling, or someone that feel, someone you feel really gets you. Move that body. If you're feeling that yuckiness that comes out from not being able to be with those you love, Releasing that tension can be so helpful in easing that stuckness. Put on some of your favorite tunes and dance it out. Get out that yoga mat. Take your furry companion for a long walk that you've been meaning to take. Or even just jump up and down. Releasing that energy can boost your serotonin, which ultimately can improve your mood and help you hang in there. Do something for you. What better way to show yourself some love with a year coming up? in this weird time than eating chocolate, do a face mask, paint those nails, or just watch a show that you've wanted to see forever. Whatever that thing is that nourishes you, do it. Even if it's something that takes like 10 minutes, taking some intentional time to show yourself some kindness can help so much in elevating you from that disappointed feeling to feeling valued. Wishing you health and safety, however you celebrate this one year or not celebrate, but really show yourself some self-love. 
managing my stress levels. I take on way too much, I do way too many things, and every year I tell myself I'm going to do less and less. But I always seem to not meet that goal every year. I've removed no stress from my life. There is um, too much to do. If you're also trying to remove stress from your life, the only thing that has helped me immensely, more than anything, has been jubilance. Uh, this PMS supplement <laughs> is a lifesaver, and most of the stress that I have to deal with is on my period, and it helps me keep my cool, find my peace, and deal with my stress and manage it better. But now that I have a jubilance to help me with all this stress, I was able to get everything I need to get done. I am not overwhelmed, and I can finally put this all away and just enjoy what 2021 has to bring. Sydney Brown is a Bay Area-based executive and corporate consultant who specializes in conflict management and resolutions within corporate teams and navigating gender, cultural, and interpersonal dynamics in the workplace. She's also pursuing her PhD in clinical psychology, where she's leading research on the effects of blind loyalty among employees who work at technology companies. Sydney also assists in teaching a class on executive leadership at Berkeley's Haas School of Business. Before coaching, Sydney worked in executive search where she partnered with venture funds and companies ranging from startups to Fortune 500 companies to help build diverse leadership teams and boards. Before that, she worked for nearly a decade in public relations at medium and large scale companies, and we're so excited to have her on the podcast today. Welcome, Sydney. Yeah, so we just kind of start off with some more fun questions, Sydney. Um, what is your favorite show that you binged during COVID? Oh, I love this question. Well, I don't watch a ton of TV, but over the holiday break, I managed to binge The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Um, I absolutely loved it. I played chess a lot as a kid, so brought that back up. Um, it's That show is so amazing. Anya Taylor-Joy is just incredible. Love that show. That's awesome. I've heard it's really good. I have to try it. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Supposedly it was like in the making for years and years and years, like 15 huh. years or something. Um, and it finally got picked up. So wow. yes, it's That's great. Awesome. Um, what is your favorite dessert? Birthday cake of all kinds. <laughs> no, no like specific kind? Just like <laughs> no specific kind. I just I love birthdays. I love celebrating. Um anything. So a birthday cake of all kinds is my favorite. Extra extra icing. Oh, but I mean that's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And I also like sprinkles. You have to have like all of the rainbow yes. to get on there. Yes. <laughs> and sprinkles are all all sprinkles are welcome. <laughs> and do you have a favorite season or is it just like anytime there's a birthday? <laughs> well, I love I do love birthdays. I think my favorite season though is fall. I grew up in Arizona where you really have to look for leaves changing. And so whenever I have a chance to leaf peep, I just love it. You know, there's something fall feels so transitional. Um, you know, more than spring and there's something that's just so uplifting and comforting about that. Oh, that's great. And you're living in San Francisco now. Is there a way to like leaf peep there? Or I, I'm not familiar with um, the weather there. There are ways to leaf peep, especially if you get up to like wine country oh. um, or drive over to Oakland. It's uh, the Bay Area is much more green than than the desert of Arizona. So yeah, <laughs> lots of lots of fall foliage to be had. Oh my gosh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I the only time I've ever been to San Francisco was in the summertime 
and I Ooh. didn't bring a jacket because I'm from Southern California. And I was like, oh, it's the summer. <laughs> like, I'll just wear my shorts and a t-shirt. But it was it'll, cold. It'll get you every time. Yeah. July, we are, July and Foggest, as we call it. Foggest. Um, Foggest, yes. We'll get you, we'll get you every time. It's, yeah, I think, what, what is the Mark Twain quote? The coldest winter was a summer in San Francisco or something. We hear that all the time, but yes. <laughs> and what is your favorite part about San Francisco? Oh, there's so many parts. Honestly, I, you know, speaking of the fog, I think that's one of them. You know, as I shared, I grew up in Arizona, so I'm sort of one of those weird people that like too much sun starts to get to me. I prefer long sleeves and like cozy scarves year round. So I love the fog. I love hearing the fog horns. Um, I love the bay. I've like recently learned how to sail. So there's just so much availability um, in terms of water. I, you know, I scuba dive, like lots of fun water, th water things to do. Um, and just, you know, the, the area around the Bay Area, you know, there's so many wonderful things that you kind of forget about until, you know, but where you can be in 45 minutes outside the city. It's from, you know, oyster beds to on your way to ski. It's just, it's, a, it's such a special place. Wow, that sounds really amazing. What brought you to San Francisco? I got transferred uh, for a job. I was working in communications um, at LifeWalk, the identity theft protection company, and mm -hmm. our communications and marketing moved to San Francisco. So I got to move, um, and you know, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. It's you know such a such a wonderful place, um, and you know, I think it's home definitely for a while. Wow, that's awesome. And can you talk a little bit more about your journey? So you've gone from the corporate wor world into getting your PhD, going into coaching now. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, I've always, um, you know, my background academically is in psychology. I got my master's in industrial organizational psychology. Um, and sort of in parallel to that, I was always working in the corporate world, doing communications, public relations, um, and then I worked in executive search. And you know, I found it was always so interesting to me. I love the work that I was doing, but I could not help but just to be so curious and like con constantly interested in the behavior in the workplace. Um, you know, the most rewarding work I would ever do is like mentoring or helping advise people. And so it was pretty early on in my career, you know, I had to just answer these questions for why people behave these ways in the workplace, why people are motivated in certain ways. Um, and so, you know, pretty early on, I knew that I wanted to, um, you know, get experience in, in, the, in the corporate world, like getting experience in the environment, but it was always, I always kind of had my research hat and I knew that I would um, always wanted to grow into a coach and then later a, a clinical psychologist in the corporate world. So, so that's, that's what I'm doing. Wow. That's awesome. That's, that's so interesting and, and good that you can like bring what you were doing then of like helping aid and coach people and mentor them when you were finding them and do you put that passion into action now. Yeah, it's very rewarding. You know, I, I mean, I think, so many of us work, right? Work in corporate settings and how I can help people make the most of that time um, and, and really sort of, you know, navigate 
the different challenges that come. Um, I feel really fortunate to have had the work experience, to have had the leadership that I was under, um, and, and the exposure to things that all sort of feed in and have, you know, given me a solid foundation to, to um, be a coach and, and to develop into a, a psychologist. So we've got to stop and talk about our sponsor, Jubilance for PMS. It's a daily supplement that helps you be you. Jubilance is an over-the-counter nutritional supplement shown in clinical trials to relieve the emotional symptoms of PMS. That means less stress, anxiety, and more of getting back to your life. You deserve to be your best self all month long. And thanks to modern science, PMS is now optional. It's the first and only product for emotional PMS backed by real science with double-blind, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed studies. And it works. I work for Jubilance because I'm here to help women, and this is the real deal. Jubilance isn't just a product. It's a global mission to make PMS mood swings a thing of the past. The Jubilance Sisterhood is a movement of thousands of strong women escaping the PMS struggle with science, sharing, and communal support. We're here for you each week with stories of amazing women, your weekly playlist on Spotify, and for you to dish and cry about periods on our Facebook group. So why not give Jubilance a try? Go to www.jubilance.com to learn more. And how is that how has coaching changed and how has the workplace changed now that we're all working from home and in the middle of a pandemic? Has it shifted how you're coaching? Absolutely. I mean, I think from, you know, both sides of the coin, right? How I work as a coach, you know, it has opened up my networks from beyond in terms of who I can partner with, you know, from beyond the the Bay Area and the U.S. to, I mean, you know, I have, co I have clients now in London and Dubai. Um, so it's really, it's been wonderful to like open it up in that way. But then I think on the other side of the coin, right, there's so many, there's a lot of work um, and a lot of, you know, issues, I'll call it, or conflict, which conflict gets such a bad name, but, but truly just things that people are having to work towards and through around, you know, expectations around time, um, expectations around what progress looks like and what progress feels like, feels like, um, you know, keeping your standards high and your expectations low, even in this new year that it, that brought us around, you know, career evolutions and, and how we um, have defined progress. So it's not only um, shifted sort of my availability and reach as a coach, but it's also really shifted uh, sort of the demands that people have. I think, you know, the, being in a pandemic has really prioritized for people, um, what it means to thrive and what it means to survive. And, um, and through that, right, there's, there's some of, you know, things that have like really mattered have started to kind of percolate to the top. Um, and people are considering growth in new ways um, that sort of meets those, meets those priorities and meets those expectations. That's interesting. Yeah, because I think it's given us a lot of time to sit back and like take stock of how we're working as well as like what our lives look like. It's very different. And that's so cool that you're able to talk to women in London or London or yeah. London or Dubai. Dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's also, it's given people um, to view their companies in, in new ways, you know, there's been a lot of uncertainty for people beyond like their own personal lives, but societally and, you know, and culturally for the direction of, 
you know, the direction our country's headed, um, you know, what's sort of entailed here and what's at stake. And so people are really finding comfort and stability in their companies. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and through that process comes sort of an inventory of how the company is represented, you know, what, what, what's the mission of the company? What's the impact the company is having on, you know, on the market, on, on the world. Um, Mm -hmm. and so leading onto that stability, onto that structure is having people sort of prioritize and take inventory of their workplaces in new ways. Wow. That's really interesting. And as a coach, I was reading more about your practice, about um, how you really help people negotiate gender politics in the workplace. Can you talk a little bit more about that? That's something I just don't really know about. Yeah, it's a big topic. Um, I think, you know, what's really helpful, I I do a lot of work around conflict management and resolutions and, and navigating cultural, um, gender, racial dynamics in the workplace. Um, and I think, you know, specifically with gender, I tend to kind of bring into a, bring in a clinical perspective and it's really about starting with an understanding of what's going on, like sort of under the hood as in, you know, what's the, um, you know, what's the behavior and really why, or what's the motivator behind the person who's behaving politically, I'll say. Um, so I think a lot of politics that we navigate in the workplace, they really stem from this place of conflict, um, where, you know, when you break conflict down, it gets such a bad rap, but like when you break conflict down, the seed of conflict is really just a misalignment of motivations and the shell of that seed, um, is an inefficient inefficiency in communication. So Mm -hmm. When you're navigating any type of political, you know, behave, that's all behavior. And so really focusing on what the behavior is, you know, why the person is motivated to act that way, then determining how you respond and when, it starts to kind of crystallize and our emotional responses are able to simmer a little bit, not to make us sound like robots. But we're able to get clarity on, you know, why people are behaving this way. And then we're able to adapt and sort of, and, um, you know, tap into a different response that sort of meets the demand of the situation. That's great that people are able to then talk to you about these different, um, different ideas. Um, and so they can get more clarity on what's going on and how they can relate better to their coworkers or bosses, which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's often hard, um, you know, why is this person acting this way to me? You know, why is this happening? Why am I being faced with this? And so much of behavior is around motivation. So getting really clear on that um, helps to to sort of dictate um, or, you know, determine, if you will, um, how, how to respond. Yeah. And can you talk to me a little bit about your coaching and your coaching practices? Um, can you, is there a client that that you could give us an example of how you've helped them? Yeah, I think um, uh, that's such a nice, such a nice question. I think, you know, I'll, I'll bring it to something more recent during, during this time, you know, just to sort of start out my clients are beyond my clients for so many of us, it is such a self-reflective time. Right. And, and, you know, especially towards the end, middle to end of last year, you know, once COVID sort of hit, it was really this kind of reshuffling of expectations for the year. Um, And so, you know, so many of my clients have, you know, sort of, we've had this conversation around, you know, what it means to have a fulfilling career. What, what now in light of this, you know, our priorities have sort of shifted. 
Um, and so helping people think about job and career transitions, um, sort of managing expectations around progress and time within that um, has been has been really helpful. Um, and, you know, just just there's a couple of clients in particular in terms of, you know, wanting to have more impact and thinking about, you know, in, in, in terms of times of crisis, right, in which, you know, we all are sort of in this state of grief, so the psych psychological community is saying, um, we tend to get very binary in our thinking, right? It's like, yes or no, stay or go, like this or that. And so helping people to instead see decisions not sort of in a binary way, but more on a spectrum. So, you know, for instance, I had a client who was wanting to do more impactful work. So she was thinking of leaving her role um, in product in a tech company and joining a nonprofit. Um, and that is certainly very admirable, but you know, there's lots of different um, factors that sort of went into that. And what we uncovered by, by you know, really kind of taking inventory, what we uncovered is, you know, some being more of a, in an advisory role. So she joined a nonprofit board um, would be more in more fulfilling for her than, you know, completely removing herself. Um, she also, you know, signed the nonprofit on as a corporate social responsibility partner within the organization and the company that she was at, you know, a large tech company was able to make more influence that way. Wow. Um, you know, she felt more fulfilled that way. So getting um, managing expectations around what progress looks like right now, your time constraints within, but then also sort of the tr trying to get away from the transactional thinking that, you know, being in this sort of fight or flight or crisis response might give us and think about all the different options and really sort of what you're looking to achieve and why may lead you to have, have more options, uh, you know, to choose from. Wow, that's amazing, Sydney. That's so interesting to think about, like, how it's not so binary. Like, if I go outside, I'm going to get COVID, or if I, like, don't leave the house, I'll be fine. But to think about, like, how this spectrum of, like, options that we can create for ourselves is still there and still on the table. Yeah, um, yeah. A terrible example. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's, I think it's very real. I mean, we're living our lives like this, you know, psychologists uh, are saying, you know, we're, we're all in a state of grief, right? And with grief, it's like, you know, when you have you, if you've ever been, um, been in grief, you know, not to make rash decisions, right? It's, we're, we're, we're sort of in this sustained period of that. Um, and so thinking, you know, I, I like to give the example of like an old school radio dial, right? Where you're kind of one of the spectrums, one of the stipples on between, you know, in between the, the extremes and you can amplify the dial or turn it down. Um, but, but where you sort of fall on your spectrum of growth has many more options um, in between, you know, staying in your role and leaving, for example. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's really good to think about and something I need to practice a lot more during this pandemic. Not the it's black process. And yeah, but the it's definitely a process. Yeah. <laughs> if you had any advice to give a woman you just met on the street, um, or maybe not meeting on the street, but any woman, um, a sentence or two about like living in this time, what would it be? You know, I think it would be like five words. I would just say, you know, you are enough. Go. Go forth. Go do it. Um, 
you know, you're, you're, you're ready, you're, you know, you're competent and everything will follow you as it, as it needs to, you know, you, you are enough. That's awesome, Sydney. Thank you. Um, and how can viewers and listeners find out more about you and about your coaching services? Sure. Um, I think the easiest way um, is you can text the word coaching to 474747. So a series of 347s. If you text that, that's the easiest way to get in touch with me. Um, I have a, a, uh, my website, um, but, I, but I would love and welcome to connect with you that way. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on, Sydney. It was great to have you and to learn more about you. Wonderful to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Um, I wish for all listeners to have a wonderful start to the new year. Um, tread lightly. We're going to get through this time um, and, and just, you know, know that progress comes in all ways um, in lots of different forms. Um, so here's to a, to a prosperous new year. Thank you.